Hi, I'm Amira Khalid, and I'm the creator and host of Inspiring UAE Women, the one and only podcast focused on female leaders in the United Arab Emirates. I enjoy meeting and talking to female leaders and finding out how they charted their path to professional success. In my show, Inspiring UAE Women, I will be interviewing and shining the spotlight on a diverse group of female leaders in the UAE and inspire women in the region with their success stories. so much everyone for tuning in i hope you enjoy listening to my podcast and if you do please subscribe and leave your comments and ratings on itunes and spotify you can also follow the podcast on facebook at inspiring uae women podcast or instagram at iuaew podcast you can also email me on inspiring women at gmail.com to get in touch My guest today is Fiona McBride. She is the Managing Director of Kaplan Professional Middle East. A passionate advocate of the strength of vocational training, Fiona McBride is a change agent with more than 30 years of international experience in business development. The seasoned CFO brings her considerable board-level experience to her current role. Fiona moved to the UAE in March 2020 to run the Kaplan GCC operation, which supports learning for accountancy, financial digital transformation, and professional services. Part of the Kaplan family for five years, Fiona has since expanded the business portfolio and established rigorous quality control processes while delivering solutions which achieve favorable commercial outcomes. Fiona's impressive career comprises esteemed titles across the UK and EMEA, including Managing Director at Capita Learning, Divisional CEO and CFO at Pearson, and Divisional Finance and IT Director for Kellogg's. Following her belief in leading by example, Fiona is a builder and motivator of teams, believes that attitude is a key success factor, and is dedicated to helping young professionals build their vocational skills for a successful career. Thank you so much for being on my show Fiona it's an absolute pleasure to have you my first question is what are your primary responsibilities as the managing director of Kaplan Middle East hi Amira and uh, actually the pleasure is all mine so thank you so much for uh, reaching out and asking me I'm properly humbled and, and I think it's a great privilege and a great idea to do this podcast I think anybody that's in a management and leadership role whatever your job description is you can be absolutely sure that most of the things in that job description you don't do. I do struggle if somebody asks me this question to actually articulate what will actually I do every day and how can I justify my existence because the role is so varied and it's so dynamic and you have to be very agile in your thinking and in how you respond to things. So I think the biggest part of my role is to make sure I don't react and to make sure that I respond to whatever the situation is and the situation might be that the coffee machine's broken or the situation might be that there's really big client in Saudi or in the UAE or somewhere else in the region that is really happy or maybe not happy. So, you know, you go from one extreme to the other in a row like this and you just have to make sure that you don't consider yourself to be too precious in relation to what you will and you won't do. You have to be prepared to do all things and to be there for your staff. 
that's quite a long answer to that, but it really is about being dynamic and being agile and responding and not reacting. Given the changing workplace landscape, how important is upskilling and what skills should women focus on developing to stay on top of their game? So it's vital. I have spent the last 12 years in education. And before that, I uh, was a CFO. I was a CFO for Kellogg's and I was a CFO for Pearson. And I felt and recognized quite early on that having a degree and being a qualified accountant, it was a really good combination. But actually, the experience and the behaviors and the skills that I was gaining in those roles was actually where my true education came. So I ended up dedicating the last 10 years and and for the rest of my career to the education of knowledge, skills and behaviours in an apprenticeship style framework so that individuals learn by doing. Um, And you're an SECA alumni as well. And you will know that passing the exams is one thing putting the application of those exams into practice, that's a whole different ballgame. So the foundation is really important, but actually the experience is what makes you. And I think I cannot stress enough the importance of individuals understanding that you can never stop investing in yourself. You can never stop learning, but you have to be able to use that knowledge in a very pragmatic and practical way. Do women actually invest time and money in executive and leadership trainings? And are they supported by their organizations. Yes and no. We run some fantastic women in leadership programs for organizations who have recognized the value in investing in that and bringing women to the fore. I was always a little bit skeptical and I'm obviously a lot older, so I'm you know, towards the end of my career. So I was, was in the corporate world when really not very many women were there at all. But what I found was that women are generally their biggest limiters. So we limit ourselves. We limit our ambition. We limit the time that we consider important to invest in ourselves. Most of my managers have been fantastic male managers who have pushed me forward. So I think it's not that women have tried and men haven't let them. I think that women have put their own barriers in place mostly. And I think now where we're at is that uh, women are realizing that that's not something that they are prepared to do. They've realized that that might be something that their mother has done and they've seen it. And, the, and that guidance in relation to their external environment outside of the workplace. I very much believe that women should have the same belief and ambition as their male counterparts and in their male cohorts. And if they want to achieve and succeed to the highest level, they have to recognise that it is really down to them. I can think very specifically on a couple of um, like really good roles that would have come up, you know, when I was working in the organisations that I was working in. And I remember one role in particular, one of the senior managers approached me and said, do you want to apply for this job? And I was like, oh, no, no, I'm not, I'm not ready for this job. And they're like, no, we think you are. And I was like, no, 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 I've still, I've got more I want to do here. And, you know, my team need me. And, you know, we've built a really good rapport and everything. And I felt that that was really important. And it hadn't really occurred to me that whilst those things are important, you have to be a little bit selfish. And they convinced me to apply for the role and I got it. And it was a lesson because the team that I left were absolutely fine. (laughs) They got a new manager in and they liked the new manager as much or probably even better than they like me. And the new team that I went in to manage were a great team. 
So that fear of, oh, we're needed or that fear of being indispensable, but not in an arrogant sort of way. You know, it's just that, oh, who could do this job? I love this job more than anybody else could ever love it. And therefore, I'm the only one that can do it. Yet that none of that's true. <laughs> so, you know, you learn that the hard way or you learn it just through experience of moving on and realizing that you are completely dispensable, regardless of what level you're at. And on that basis, you should be striving for the next job. And it got to a stage actually where in the same organization, there was a job that I had had my eye on for a very long time and it became vacant. And I went to see the department to say I wanted to put my hand in the ring. And it was the opposite conversation. The conversation was, we don't think that you're ready. We don't, you know, we've got, we were thinking of somebody else. And it was like, no, I want to be interviewed for this job because I really, and I really did, I really wanted that job. And I obviously prepped very hard for the interview and I ended up getting the job and I loved the job and it was a great job and I did really well in it but at that stage then I was able to be a lot more bold about what I wanted and braver about pushing myself forward than maybe I was in in the earlier days of my career so I think if you're in a middle management or junior role and you are looking at people above you and thinking I could do that job better or I really like that job those are good things to think you should we should be thinking those things. We should be thinking about the art of the possible. And we should be thinking about, well, you know, why not me? So instead of saying, you know, oh, God, why me? You know, why would I? Why would they pick me? Like, why not me? You remember the interview that you got. And you remember that you might not have got it the first time, but you definitely would get it the second time or the third time. And the confidence boost that comes from that, I think that stays with you for a very long time. Confidence boost and reality in that none of us are perfect. But if you have worked hard and you've invested in yourself and you've developed those knowledge and those skills and behaviors, it's quite hard for somebody to answer, why not her? She's done all this. Why would it not be her? And if it isn't you and you think that it should be, then the worst thing you can do is accept that. Your career is a really, really long journey and it will never go smoothly. So you have to be prepared for knocks. But the one thing that you have to do above all other things is get back up. So when you get that knock, you've got to get back up again and you've got to find a different route to get what you want. Is it resilience then that's required? It is resilience, but it's a little bit more than that as well because you can be resilient by just pushing forward. But you've got to be a little bit canny and a little bit savvy about it as well. So you've got to think, okay, I know I want to go forward forward and I know if I keep trying this whilst I might be resilient at knocking my head against a brick wall and nothing happening I've got to find a different route so you've got to be very agile and not be and when I say emotional I don't mean like the traditional view of women you know the country that women are too emotional not none of that stuff it's about don't take it personally don't feel that this is or any of those decisions are about you just get another road to get what you want Subsequently, what can organizations do to mentor and offer development opportunities for their female employees and for women returning to work after career breaks? I did a program again, it was a very long time ago, but it was really defining for me. And it was um, a leadership program. And I did it with Ashridge Business School. The organization that I worked for had invested in this. And it was the first time that I had appreciated different styles. So we did the, you know, the personality, Mars-Briggs, and the importance of appreciating different styles and recognizing your own and how that is reflected back at you when you behave. 
safe. So I think organizations should be very invested in diversity. And I don't mean just gender diversity, because I think that's just one element of it. I think it is very much diversity of thought. And the more diverse you are willing to have in your workforce and in the workplace, then the better the results are going to be. And that is ethnicity, it is gender, and it is in relation to different styles as well. So in, as, a, as an SECA on Mars Briggs, the majority of SECAs will be ISTJ as a personality type. Well, if you've got a whole business, it's ISTJ. You're not going to come up with very creative solutions. So you want some ease in there as well. You want that whole different thought process of style. And I think organizations have to recognize that that will only come with conscious thought and conscious actions. I want to talk a bit about gender-based stereotypes, specifically the likability bias. Why are we still perpetrating the stereotype that successful men are often more liked than successful women? How can we banish this myth and move past it? I have to say that likability never, from a personal point of view, wasn't high up on my list of things that I felt were personally important. I think being consistent and being a fair leader. Some people would like your style, some people would not like your style, but as long as you knew that you were doing it with integrity and that the outcome was the outcome that was best for the business. I think that I've suffered in times gone by from the gender stereotype, but not necessarily on the likability side of things. It was definitely more about being, I'm quite forthright. So, you know, if you're seen to be forthright, if you're seen to hold on to your convictions, that a man might be celebrated for that historically and a woman would be seen to be difficult or stubborn. If you are not afraid to have a difficult conversation, you might be seen as aggressive, whereas a man would be seen as great leadership. And I think that you, again, this is about learning through experience. You learned through those examples. I definitely think where we are now versus where we are even 15 years ago is completely different. And I think that as a woman, as long as you have that level of consistency and that you have that level of fairness, that the likability element of your role is something that you don't necessarily seek. Just from my personal experience, I've not judged any of my managers based on whether I like them or not. There's managers I've not liked, but they've been really good managers and that's fine. They'll stay a manager and I want to like my friends. I don't necessarily need to like my managers. So I don't strive for that in my professional capacity. How has your personal journey been? Have you encountered any stereotypes or the proverbial glass ceiling? And how did you overcome it? So my journey has been bumpy. It's definitely not been smooth. I feel that it has been harder than if I was maybe a man up until a certain level and then not so much after that. But I think the journey to prove myself, I've worked quite hard to prove myself. And I think if I was had that level of capability and was a man, maybe I wouldn't have had to work as hard. But once I get into the senior management roles, then I have funnily enough felt that the playing field is a lot more or even but getting up there has definitely been you know I would see I would describe it as my male counterparts would be in the elevator and I'd be clawing up the rock face <laughs> get, get, getting all mucky and dirty and having to take detours to get where I had to get to but all of that was character building and all of that has stood me in good stead for the senior roles that I then decided to take on and I think it's absolutely fine if women decide they don't want to do that I think the biggest thing is where you don't of choice 
So if you've not invested in great qualifications like SCCA or CFA or any of those, you know, really good professional qualifications, your choice is limited and therefore you would expect that others, you know, would surpass you in your career. So it's about investing in yourself and it is about believing in yourself. It is about finding the alternative routes. And it is accepting that there will be stereotypes for men versus women and Irish versus English and from Abu Dhabi versus Dubai. There's stereotypes everywhere, but the more skills you have and the more you've invested in yourself, then the less they become important and the more you as an individual become important. What's a leadership lesson that you've learned that's unique to being a female leader? The lesson would be to not be an emotional decision maker. It doesn't mean you're void of emotion. It doesn't mean that you don't care. But I would consider that if you are an evidence-based decision maker rather than somebody that makes a, an emotional decision or maybe an emotional reaction, then that will get you into making decisions that maybe you regret. So I think decisions should be evidence-based decisions. And I think that that's what one of the things that I do if somebody wants to do something I'll say take the emotion out of it stand back take a deep breath think about this really logically and then see what outcome and how you respond to that and is that a different response to your emotional response which I find is more of a reaction rather than a response so I don't know if that answers the question but it is the one thing I hold on to and then it means you don't take things personally if it's happening to you if it's a logical decision you can understand it and it's coming from further up the food chain in your organization then that's fine. Fiona, could you name a woman who's inspired you the most? Because I'm the generation that I am. And I've been, I was asked this question on International Women's Day and I haven't got one woman that just springs to mind. There's, you know, different women and I'll read elements about them and I think, oh, that was quite impressive. I think for me, it's about having that balance, whatever that balance for you looks like. So I don't look at the Michelle Obamas or the Oprah Winfrey's, any of those women and think, oh, I find them inspiring. I, I find the woman that comes into the office and has a sick child and has still come into work or has loads going on at home and is still able to come in and focus I find that quite inspiring but ultimately I've absolutely and totally been inspired and driven by what my mother thinks and I think most women would be the same you know because you end up just thinking well I'm not I'm not brave enough to disappoint my mother so uh, on that basis I'll keep on going and also you see from the generation that the glass ceiling has been cracked a lot before anybody's able to break it and you know I think I'm just one of the heads that's cracking it I don't necessarily think I've, I've managed to break through it yet but I think there's a lot of cracks in it so a very long answer to the point which is it would be my mother and I hope for most women it's their mothers my last question to you is, Fiona, as a female leader, what are three pieces of advice you would offer professional women? Invest. Invest in yourself. Invest in your support network. Invest in your structure. My second piece of advice would be get back up. If you're knocked down or if you're pushed down, get back up. It is so important because the only thing you can be sure about is if you don't get back up, you won't achieve what you think that you should achieve. And don't have any regrets. If you've taken a wrong turn, even in that wrong turn, you've learned something really valuable. So take that with you and celebrate it and then move to correct it. Take a different turn the next time, having learned from that experience. Fiona, thank you so much for being on my show. I learned a lot today having this exceptionally insightful conversation with you. I'm humbled. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Inspiring UA Women podcast. 
This interview with Fiona served as a reminder about the importance of investing in women and upskilling. For example, last year, the International Monetary Fund projected that 11% of jobs currently held by women are at a risk of elimination as a result of artificial intelligence and other digital technologies. This is in addition to reports that AI algorithms in talent management softwares have built in bias against women. It is therefore critical for you as a professional woman to be forward thinking and continuing to invest in yourself with the right qualifications, being prepared for knocks, but also learning to find a way around obstacles blocking your progression, and learning to make informed and evidence-based decisions. If you'd like to reach out, feel free to connect with me on Facebook at Inspiring UA Women Podcast, Instagram at IUAW Podcast, or email me on inspiringuawomen at gmail.com. See you next Thursday.